Welcome back, U.S. history fans. We left off talking about FDR's administration, his kind of rise from a little bit of childhood, I guess, to polio, to marriage, and um, all that stuff, and, you know, becoming president, and starting to kind of, starting to try to bring America back around. So, let's keep going with bringing America back around with some relief and creating jobs, as I promised in my last podcast. So, the Federal Emergency Relief Administration, FARA, look at that, another administration or act here. So, Basically, they were designed to send money to the already overburdened local relief agencies like the Salvation Army, United Way, and some of those. So, remember, Hoover didn't want to help out people directly, so he had them kind of do all of his work. Well, so now Ferris steps in and says, look, we're going we're gonna to help you out. Um, also, for people that were out of work, Ferris put money into public works programs. We're going to see a lot of this. Uh, and these public works programs were government-funded projects to build public facilities, things that, you know, benefit people. Um, for example, the CWA, or Civ uh, Civil Works Administration, uh, their job for these public facilities was improving and building roads, parks, airports, and other facilities, and they employed around 4 million people. So, once again, this is all things that are helping the people, roads, parks, airports, and stuff, those help the, the general American people. And we're giving people a job with with the creation of these, you know, of these places. We need people to build them. So we're creating jobs, we're helping the people, and the money is kind of going everywhere. All right, another program, uh, which I, this one I kind of, I think this one's one of the, the, the neatest ones, I guess, uh, is the CCC, three Cs, the Civilian Conservation Corps, uh, started in March of 1933, so one of the early ones, 2.5 million young unmarried men, sorry ladies, and their job was to maintain forests, beaches, and parks, and they would make $30 a month, which actually was a fair amount of money back then, I think it translates to like Maybe 500 something. I'm off on that one. Don't scratch that. Anyhow, and for these $30 a month, they, they made that money. They lived in camps free of charge, received food free of charge, medical care, and job training. However, that $30 a month I keep talking about, uh, yeah, they uh, had to send all of that except for $5 back home. So they only really made $5, but this gave money to families that were struggling. It gave them, you know, that shelter and food and everything and job training, and they still had a couple of bucks. So kind of a neat program, and they did a lot of stuff uh, just around the country. Like if you go to most parks, you're going to see something that the CCC has, has done, a national park at least. All right, another one, the NRA, National Recovery Administration, and their goal was to stabilize an unbalanced economy. Now, I know that, you know, she isn't like everything trying to help out with this, but what they tried to do was regulate wages, control working conditions, control production, and control prices. Now, if, if you're kind of thinking about like what it means to be in America and capitalism and stuff, this sounds kind of like a dictatorship or communism, socialism type stuff. They're regulating wages. Okay, we have minimum wage modern day. All right, that makes sense. But controlling work conditions? Okay, yeah, we have that one too. But production and prices? Uh-uh, that is not an American thing. That's going to come back later to bite FDR, and we'll, we'll cover that here shortly. So with the Depression going on and many homeowners falling behind on their mortgages, 
during the same time that all this is going on, the government established another program to help them out, the HOLC, the Homeowners Loan Corporation. And it, it the basically is it changed how mortgages were set up and made it more manageable for people. Um, so like it delayed certain payments um, and then eventually the payments would come back and it was kind of more government regulated than so much with the bank regulated. So from 1933 to 1936, it made about 1 million low interest loans available so it was easier for people to stay in their homes and manage their debt and so forth. All right, the next one, the AAA. Many farmers were losing their lands and farms and so on, so that AAA was created Agricultural Adjustment Administration, created in May of 1933, and this helped to distribute subsidies. And a subsidy is this financial aid given by the government to individuals or groups. Um, I kind of referenced this in my last podcast, uh, not the FDR one, but the kind of Dust Bowl Great Depression. Basically, they would tell farmers, like, look, here's some money, um, you know, don't plant this. Plant anything else you want, just don't plant this. And so then they made some money, and it just it helped you to regulate supply and demand, which helped increase in prices, and then helped to bring the farmers kind of back. All right, um, so anyhow, government provided tons of financial assistance to farmers who cut production, basically paying them not to produce. That's what it all comes down to. Um, overall helped lower supply like I mentioned and to give uh, it also helped to train and give techniques to farmers in response to the dust bowl like helping them to regulate crop rotation um, and you know kind of planting um, they actually I think it was the CCC planted tons and tons of trees to help kind of like set up like a root barrier so that um, some of the topsoil wouldn't blow away so a lot of stuff going on to help the farmers during this time um, also, let's go down to Tennessee with the Tennessee Valley Authority, the TVA, May of 1933. Um, the government helped to create jobs in the region by reactivating a hydroelectric power facility that had been created during World War One. So this is a hydroelectric power facility. It's a fancy way of saying it, uh, a, like a water dam. And this is very similar to like the Hoover Dam project uh, that we talked about earlier that was Boulder Dam renamed Hoover Dam and so forth and also it provided cheaper electricity to the region so once again kind of that public works thing helping out so overall the New Deal uh, started off with a lot of power you know pro program after program after program after program but it, it didn't really seem to do too much for the economy so yes he's spending lots of money and stuff but the economy it it's gonna take a while to get us out of the hole that we are in so people did not see the vast amount of improvement that we had expected. Um, the government did get a lot more power, though. And this is what I kind of referred to earlier. And this is the biggest kind of criticism. Remember, regulating um, wages, okay, and conditions, yes, but that whole production and pricing, argh, the HOLC, regulating people's loans, um, you know, regulating, you know, CCC, you know, a lot of people's jobs, uh, the TVA, people's electricity. We're going to get into retirement with the Social Security one in a little bit. So this was a main criticism. People didn't like that the government had so much control and power over our lives. And as a response to that, the Supreme Court ruled that many of FDR's policies were actually unconstitutional. It is not the American way. Well, so after that... 
FDR, no matter, um, he kept going uh, with his second 100 days or the second New Deal. Even more social welfare benefits, stricter controls over businesses, stronger support for unions, and higher taxes on the rich. He, he attacked joblessness with the WPA, Works Progress Administration, in 1935, uh, a little bit later on, but um, jobs for uh, 8 million people. Uh, they built or improved tens of thousands of playgrounds, schools, hospitals, airfields, sewers, bridges, roads, and supported creative works uh, of many artists and writers. They did a lot at the Toledo Zoo. Um, if you've been there, some of the stuff in the aviary, uh, a lot of the murals that used to be there, I think some of them are kind of gone now since they've redone a lot of that. Uh, that was all WPA. On the outside of that building, WPA. Some of those old... Um, there's like, like a buffalo and an elephant statue that's not too far from the aviary. Some of that as well. Uh, the CCC, I think, was the amphitheater and the aquarium. So a lot of things that were done uh, in even in our Toledo area um, region that was part of the WPA. Eight million people. This is long stretching. And part of, the, part of this also, they brought a lot of electricity to rural Americans. Remember, infrastructure, helping out all of America. This was a massive undertaking. Um, Another area to help out people with is, is um, old, older people with the SSA, Social Security Administration, which provided old age pension. It also provided disability payments, uh, payments and unemployment benefits. However, it excluded farmers and domestic workers. And we'll talk about why that's important coming up here in just a minute. So we're seeing the introduction of kind of a old age retirement package or program. Now, all of these programs that I've been mentioning, and I know I have mentioned a lot. All right, remember, there's a lot of acronyms from the TVA, the WPA, the AAA, the CCC, and all those things. Well, the media started calling his programs alphabet soup. It was kind of like FDR was sitting there playing with his alphabet soup, just like, oh, look at that, TVA, ha <laughs> ha, Tennessee Valley Authority. So anyhow, that's what the media kind of called all this. So this is all in his, you know, kind of his, his first round as president. So 1936 comes along, and FDR is going up against Republican presidential candidate, Kansas Governor Alfred M. Landon. Yeah, uh, 523 electoral college votes to eight. He destroyed him. He, he even won Kansas, which was the one where this guy was the governor from. So, yeah, FDR won in a landslide victory. Americans, for the most part, supported the New Deal. They had some issues with it, but they thought that he, was, he at least had America on the right track. And most of these new agencies... Um, that were created, that the people were behind. They they were helping people, but they weren't helping as many people as they were supposed to or had kind of set out to help. And one of the groups or two of the groups that really got kind of, um, uh, you know, left out were minorities and women uh, because most of these seemed to be geared towards white men. Uh, remember, the Social Security, domestic workers and uh, and farmers, well, that's a lot of minorities and women right there. Um, also, the NRA, uh, National Recovery Administration, who set a lot of like wages and so forth, they put women's minimum wage lower than men's in 25% of the cases. Um, and at this time, most of these jobs were still going to the men or heads of families. African Americans, most of these programs excluded them, uh, reinforcing segregation. Two-thirds of African Americans were farmers and domestic workers, so the Social Security one didn't even apply to them. So, that being said... Uh, still in 1936, African Americans felt that they they were still 
better off with FDR than you know some of the pre, uh, previous presidents and administrations and so forth. So they did vote more for him in 36 than they even did in 1932. So that doesn't mean things can't get better for African Americans, and, and eventually they will, and we still have ways to go. So anyhow, political critics of the New Deal, as I said, the Supreme Court not too happy and so forth, but anyhow, we mentioned this earlier, people felt that the New Deal had a little too much power for the government. So um, a lot of the rich especially didn't like this. Remember, they were, the government was taxing the rich more heavily. And one of the big things that did this was the Revenue Act, or also sometimes known as the Wealth Tax Act, which raised taxes for people who had incomes of over $50,000 a year. That's a lot of money today. It was tons of money back then. So remember, rich people are usually more influential. If you think back to the Spanish-American War, we talked about how their American sugar plantations were being blown up and stuff, and they got mad. So we're seeing some kind of uh, pushback from some people. And some of the pushback came from the American Liberty League of 1934. They were probably the biggest opponent to the New Deal and FDR in general. And they charged the New Deal with limiting American freedoms and especially criticized Social Security saying, wait a minute, why are we putting all this money in? We're basically punishing the rich. It's like, I've worked hard in my life. I've put money aside for retirement, but now you're going to take some of my money to give to other people for their retirement? It's their fault that they made a bad decision and don't have enough money for later in life. So it's, you know, the big thing they were upset about was Social Security and the Wealth Tax Act or Revenue Act. All right, so that was kind of their belief during that time. And we also saw some, like, certain, like, kind of uh, bigger opponents uh, or, like, singular people, not just groups. And these opponents um, I'm referring to are demagogues or leaders who manipulate people with half-truths, deceptive promises, and scare tactics. And the two I'm going to be talking about are Father Coughlin and Huey Long. And Father Coughlin, um, nicknamed the Radio Priest, uh, his radio messages reached around 10 million people as he would get on the radio um, and talk about all these different things. Uh, the trouble is, when he would talk about these things, he would often contradict himself. Um, so, like, one moment he would talk about nationalizing or, the, or basically the government takeover and ownership of banks and the redistribution of wealth, saying that the government needs to give everyone the same amount of money. Ah, yes, socialism, communism, hurrah! But then the next day he would say, no, we need to preserve the sanctity of private property, including the banks. The government needs to be hands-off, laissez-faire, ah, ha, ha. So, yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot of contradiction here. So he didn't make his too much steam here. But someone who, who did kind of make some headway and steam, at least in, you know, in, in people's minds, was Huey Long, a Louisiana politician, the country lawyer who grew up in poverty, governor in 1928 and senator in 1932. Now, what sets him aside, well, one of the things that set him aside from most Southern politicians during this time, you know, Louisiana, pretty South here, um, most politicians built their power on, you know, like racial attacks, like segregation now and segregation forever kind of time, um, you know, those kind of things. Well, he didn't do that at all. He wanted to improve the lives of the underprivileged um, through education, Medicare, and public services. So that made people really like him. And he did this by going after the big oil ty tycoons that were in the South during this time, especially Louisiana. And when he started out, 
um, which also made him some enemies, which we'll talk about in a second. Originally, he was a supporter of FDR, but he broke away. He said, look, FDR, you're not taking it far enough. He said that none of this stuff would work without a complete redistribution of wealth. All right, he wanted every family to have a minimum of $5,000 right now, all right? And, you know, just give everyone $5,000 and make everyone mandatory get $2,500 in income, so a year. So it's like, look, I'm just going to give everyone five grand, and now every year you're going to get $2,500. And that was a lot of money back there, back then. Also, he advocated shorter working hours, more veteran benefits, payments for educations, and pensions for the elderly. All right, these were some pretty big things, and... Um, eventually he, he was kind of, uh, assassinated or killed. I don't know how you want to look at that. Um, but yeah, he, he made a lot of enemies during this time. Cause like I said, he went after a lot of the oil tycoon type stuff and, um, yeah. So some interesting stuff around that. They made a, his nickname was the Kingfisher and they made a movie about it not too long ago with Sean Penn. I think it was called all the King's men. So anyhow, they, they go over a little bit more kind of, kind of some interesting stuff in there. Um, so the New Deal um, employment programs during this time and all the stuff that we're talking about that criticized and whatnot, one of the main criticisms besides too much power for the government was these were a lot of make-work jobs. It wasn't that the people decided we needed these jobs. FDR just said, look, we need roads here. Do we really need roads here? Well, we need to give people a job. So it wasn't the free market determining what jobs were needed, how many jobs were needed, and what we needed them all to do. It was a lot of jobs that were financed by taxes, and the government made these decisions, once again, giving the government too much power. Paying farmers not to plant, telling them, you know, this goes against, you know, the whole free market thing. Um, that people said, look, the, the market should be deciding, you know, how much to produce, what to produce, and farmers should be able to make all these things, and they should determine their own supply and demand and price and so forth. And during a time of hunger and programs that wasted precious resources, that's not something people wanted. And remember, we're spending government money to do all this. This is called deficit spending or paying out more money from the annual federal budget than the government receives in revenue. So we're spending more than we make. Um, and yeah, we're still doing that today. Take a look at the national debt sometimes. I mean, you know, make sure you have something to catch your tears when you you know, go to look at that because it's quite sad. Um, but, you know, um, the biggest and, and kind of ironically about this deficit spending, about FDR spending all this money, one of the biggest criticisms that FDR put forth against uh, Herbert Hoover in 1932 was that uh, Hoover didn't run a balanced budget. And then, which means, you know, you basically spend what you make. It's balanced. You're not losing money. You're not gaining money. You're just you're running it balanced. Or maybe you're making a little money. And then FDR comes along and he completely spends more money than like anyone before him. So things for FDR are kind of slowing down a little bit. Remember, the Supreme Court is kind of saying his programs are illegal. And he's got some criticism coming at him from different groups like the you know American Liberty League and everything. So... Uh, things are not going the best for FDR, so he decides to do this thing called court packing. And court packing, basically, the Supreme Court knocked down everything. And there was nine Supreme Court justices that were calling his programs unconstitutional, or at least a few of these nine, a majority at least, five. So FDR has this idea of court packing. So in February of 1937, FDR proposed a major court reform bill. And he basically said, look, the Constitution never specified 
the number of Supreme Court justices. Okay, it's not even really in this in the Constitution. If you remember back to our first unit for this U.S. History podcast, so it was like, look, there's no number in the Constitution. So he says, look, there are some older Supreme Court justices here because if you're a Supreme Court justice, you can stay there until you retire or you die is what it comes down to, or I guess if you're somehow removed. So he says, look. There's some older justices here. I'm going to add six new justices, one for each justice who's over the age of 70 because they're just so old, they need they need someone there to help lighten the load. Now, this sounds maybe good on paper, but the real intention here was to kind of pack the court with judges that supported the New Deal. So FDR was just trying to put his friends on the Supreme Court justice so whenever he had a controversial bill, they would just pass it and give him, you know, just say, yeah, go ahead, FDR, we like you, go ahead. Well, people weren't happy about this. Not just the Republicans, Democrats as well. Everyone came down on FDR on this one and said, look, that ain't cool. You're going for a power grab. So FDR is like, no, no, okay, I won't, I won't. And he withdrew his proposal. But many Republicans and Southern Democrats united against uh, further New Deal legislation, which really hurt FDR. Um, But After a while, in the end, the court ended up siding with FDR on most of New Deal legislation. And a lot of that did help because in a time of war or America getting close to war and eventually war, which will be our next unit, people said, well, maybe maybe FDR was, was, you know, we we should maybe help him out and and pass some of his stuff. And some of the older justices did retire and and FDR did appoint new justices that did favor the New Deal. So that kind of helped everything. So... Bottom line, just to kind of sum it all up before we get to World War II starting up, FDR went on to pass more and more legislation in the hopes of helping to get the United States out of the Depression and the recession for that matter. But in the end, the United States entering World War II was the final push to get the United States out of the Great Depression. And that's where our next unit is going to be picking up. So we'll be starting off with kind of the United States entering World War II and then full-fledged into World War II in our next unit. So stay tuned, World War II. It's coming up.